Hello and welcome to the second one-on-one podcast. My name is Zoro Daddy, and today I'll be going one-on-one with none other than ABDLer, podcaster, dipster, kinkster, senator, emperor, owner of a fine set of dulcetones, Bengals fanatic, friend, and oh so much more. Well, okay, maybe he's not some of those things, but nevertheless, resonant yes. Hello, resonant yes. Well, hello there, Zoro. How are you? I am so good it's bad, but don't tell anyone. That was, I mean, that was easily the most lush, descriptive intro I've ever had anywhere, and I'll take that every time. Hey, I love me some adjectives. That's (laughs) That's for sure. And making the second episode a two-for-one special is sweetheart, podcaster, dipster, kinkster, princess, poet, the one who combs resonant yes's hair. Friend, and oh so much more, Road Not Taken. Hello, Road Not Taken. Hi. And it's good to be here. It's good. And how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. You're probably like, well, I was doing fine just a minute ago, but no, I'm not real <laughs> sure what I got myself into. <laughs> oh, this will be fun. The hair coming job takes relatively little of your time. It, it's not a big, it's not, not a full-time job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a part-time job. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, to both of you, welcome to episode two, The Attack of the Clones. Oh, no, no. Oh, thank no, you. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that would be Star Wars. That would be Star Wars. Unless we have some clones, we should attack them as well. All right. So the basic idea of one of these wild and wacky one-on-one podcasts is we're going to go through a checklist of topics that cover a range of subjects. Then we're going to offer up some thoughts about each of the items. And if more conversation is fostered, that's great. But if not, that's great, too. We'll move right on to the next checklist topic. Now, I want to let you know deviation from the topics is totally permissible. Now, if anyone listened to the first one-on-one podcast, whichever, because there was like five people. So if you were one of the five, I, I think Mako and I redefined the boundaries of going off subject quite successfully. We even made up brand new topics. It was uh, it was a sight to behold. <laughs> but regardless of our statements, uh, to get serious for a moment, we're going to give our points of view about a topic without attacking each other, even if we don't see eye to eye on things. And there's a reason behind that. I think too often nowadays, the way people view others who don't see things the same as them is to view those people in the worst possible light. And that's not always a good thing. It can become rough when somebody has an opinion and suddenly, you know, you have a problem with them. Well, everybody's entitled to have an opinion. So, today, this fine couple from Iceland and I, we're going to uh, discuss different opinions without getting cold with each other. So, there are two big points that I want to bring up here and then we're going to plow right into this. And the two point, the two big points are, number one, what you're going to hear on this podcast are our opinions only. And I say it that way so I can plow right into point number two. We are not going to present our opinions as fact. Sometimes people offer up their opinions passionately, quite passionately. And when they come off as sounding like they believe their opinion is the truth, they may not necessarily mean it that way. It certainly shows their passion, but that That may not necessarily be uh, just what they meant. So all that being said, love our opinions or hate them. uh, That's that's basically what it is. And 
it's a heck of a lot better than all of us just simply being clones. That's kind of a, kind of a crazy thing. That would get boring for a while. So that being said, the first question is origins, which is kind of broad. Um, I think it's with oranges. Well, yeah, oranges and origins and oh. bananas and, and there's a truck. I love it. There we go. <laughs> well, that was a big truck too. I'll tell you what. We don't do anything small here in Lancaster. That's for mm. sure. But I guess, um, just with regards to the whole reason we know one another, four letters that we, that we share in common. What might our wise origin story be with, with regards to A.B. Dale? That could be uh, you learning it within yourself or you learning it in the community or whatever the case may have been. Oh, this is so fun. Um, first off, I will say I'm so excited to have a rational, reasonable discussion that involves things like opinions stated as opinions. What a refreshing approach to sharing one's uh, thoughts. I, I can't be I could not be more excited about that. Um so I, actually, this part uh, nobody could even contradict me on. So this is great. I could uh, <laughs> I could pretend they're facts. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So my my origins. So um, I think I'm one of those rather familiar stories. Uh, one that I've certainly heard a lot from others, which is that um, I've just never known any difference. So I remember as a kid having this interest, not sexual, of course, because I wasn't a sexual being, but uh, this interest in trying to understand how could I, I was like three or four, I was like, how can I get back to these things, these diaper things? There seemed to be so much comfort and so much nurturing. And, and I mean, as an adult and having done some of the reading, I look back and I'm like, this is a classic fetish pattern, which is that you imprint an object uh, with, you know, you sort of imbue it with meaning at a time when you're at a really important need for that meaning. And I think at this phase in my life, that need was for nurturing and for a sense that I was going to be okay and taken care of. And uh, indeed, there was nothing I was going to do that was going to make me not okay or not taken care of a bowl. Um, and so it just, it was just kind of always there. And when I became, uh, when I started to become a sexual being at puberty, mm-hmm. they, they took on a bit of a different cast and it went from, man, this would really help me feel comforted to, Hey, this is doing things. Um, so at 13, 14, I started to explore and try to understand a bit more about where in the world is this coming from and, um, and why does it give me this other, this new, feeling that I didn't have before. Um, and I more or less kept it to myself until I was uh, 20. I mean, I was really, I, I don't think I mentioned it to another human being until I was 20 or 21. And um, it got into a very serious relationship and, and it looked like we were headed towards engagement. I shared it with that person and said, this is kind of part of the deal. I don't get it either. In fact, at the time, I was deeply ashamed of it because it just I right. made right. no sense. I'm of a certain age where we didn't like have the you know the amazing Tumblr and podcasts and all the great things we have now to talk to us about it. So I mean, it really, I hadn't. And believe it or not, I, I hadn't explored it. Even if I did have those things, I, I had never looked into it. I was just kind of in the dark. The only thing I'd done, I remember, I had. Uh, 
the night before going away to church camp of all things, <laughs> okay. I used I used my father's you know ninety six baud modem to try and access uh, the early days of the internet to try and learn about this. And I just scared the shit out of myself because everything I found uh, really pointed in a in a pretty dark direction that I didn't want to go. And uh, so I, you know, immediately tried to, like, scrub the disk drive out uh, and, you know, whatever it took to make me feel like that wasn't a part of me. And so I I more more or less ran away from it. It was like, um, I don't want to grow up to be whatever this is. So it, mm-hmm. I started to repress it and it became about the shame and the repression. And that's, I think, in retrospect, that's such a bummer. But that's where I started out. And so I, I, my first conversation was... was uh, with somebody who was 20, uh, 20 years old or so, and it was it was with this uh, very very serious girlfriend. I didn't talk to anybody else about it until I was thirty. So fast forward ten years and a perfectly amicable divorce later, and um, and I thought, you know, I, I may get a second shot at doing this the way that I would like to do it. That's a long way of telling you my origin story, but there you go. That was awesome. There's actually like three things I want to say, but I'm not going to. Because I'm going to say, Rody, <laughs> would you be Hi. so hello there? Would you be so kind as to tell us uh your origin? Just with regards to the four letters that sort of uh, that, that we have in common. Um Oh sure. It could be how it sort of began for you or how you discovered it or whatever you'd like it to be. What what is the uh the road not taken origin? Um well Actually, I've been kind of um, of the Internet since the beginning of my sexuality. Um, I used to go on message boards when I was much too young to be on them for spanking and just general bondage and um, happened across a message board one time that had a few people on it who were um, ABDLs. And they... Uh, said, have you ever thought about, or one of them said, have you ever thought about um, this lifestyle? You, you kind of have this little feel. Um, I just noticed it in the things you say and the topics you engage in. And I said, no, that's gross. Um, but thank you. <laughs> and uh, Ew, no. <laughs> ew, no. Um, but actually, I'm really grateful. The person was persistent. Uh, I kept showing up on the message board and they kept saying, are you positive? Are you positive? And so finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some actual research into this. And that person ended up being my sort of guide through the ABDL and little world and helped introduce me rather gently, um, into everything. Um, I was at the time 19. Um, so I was finally of age to be on those message boards for almost a year by the time I or just a little over a year by the time I um, started experimenting. And uh, that was that. I never looked back. I was like, oh, here's home. I found it. All right. So I'm, I'm just super glad you called this out. And forgive me for diving back in, but we came to it two very different ways. Like your first reaction was ew. Mm-hmm. And my first reaction was, this is all I've ever known and it's never going away. Um, your response to that ew eventually became, I'm in. Like, this is home. My response to my, this is the only way I've ever known was to go, ew. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's something else. And eventually we met in the middle. And I only say this because, okay, so I'm sharing an opinion. This is an opinion podcast. You bet. Uh, I think it's goofy when people say things like, 
It, well, you weren't, you weren't like, you're not, you're not like a natural ABL. You weren't born in ABL. I was born in ABL. Oh, I'm that's very ABL. frustrating. You're, 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 Thank you so much. That is awesome. Continue. I'm sorry. You're like an interloper, right? Like whatever, like this concept that there's like a, some sort of natural rank of fetishist. I don't think it works that way. What? Like, no, I can't turn mine off and you chose your way in. And also that doesn't, that doesn't make one more or less real. Exactly. And I found, um, I think, I think the order is, is somehow based in fear. I mean, at least for my partners up until now who've been into it, it has been because they've been like, well, if you were a natural ABDL, I wouldn't be so worried that you were going to give it up. And I was, I just, you know, I think it's, it's really, it's maybe something that helps people feel more comfortable. Like you're not going to give it up and then give them up to the world or give it up. And then they're going to be sort of high and dry. Mm. Um, But honestly, it's not about um, becoming anything at 19. It's just about finding the place. It's like kind of, you know, roaming around until then and then saying, oh, well, this is what, this is what being in the smoking chat room and being like, why are all these people being so grown up? This is definitely not it um, right, right. for years and then finding it. I, I will tell you that th- this is clear indication being the two of you. Um, and I will, gl- I will gladly cut this out if you don't want to answer. You are married. Yes. Correct. To each other, no less. <gasps> oh, hey, that, dude, don't that get that well. away. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I would say the one of you went from no way to ooh. And the other of you went from, ooh, to, oh, here's the way. What I view that as approaches, at least, that would be opposites. And what do we know about opposites? <gasps> do they attract? Yeah. They do I attract. I feel like I've heard that yeah, before. Paul Abdul and that weird cartoon cat, they sure do. Oh, what? I tell you, they do. They do. I am 100 years old. What are you <laughs> talking about? I, I got the reference. I got the reference. It should be worth noting, R&T and I have decade of age difference between us so when i say things like you know i got on a 96 mod modem and she's like i grew up chatting <laughs> he explained an eight track tape to me today oh this is this is awesome this yeah. is awesome when i'll tell you when cds first came out i referred to them as cassette destroyers i would not buy a cd until 2001 when awesome. um when michael jackson put out the invincible album oh i thought you were gonna say it was the chronic i was so impressed well no, well, no 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 i i even got beyond that but to that, I will also add, um, folks, have idea, the idea of being a real AB, as, yeah. as opposed to somebody who just sort of came along. It, you're right about that. People do have a tendency to almost tell you, okay, this is this is the correct way to do it. Or they'll at least imply it through what they're saying. Maybe they don't mean that. But all that being said, I've always made the statement that there is no wrong way to do this. Yes. Unless you are hurting someone else and they don't want you to hurt them. At which point, yes, you're doing it wrong. Um, that'll be a, that'll be like a, 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 call that a stringent opinion, if you will. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, there's no wrong way to do it. So when you come across people who tell you, um, well, you really need to do it like this, or, or if you come across people who sort of encourage you to move in the direction of a click, just bear in mind that that's your decision and they have every right to offer it up to you, but you don't have to follow. That's right. You blaze your own trail. Yeah. You blaze your own trail. I discovered it um, I, almost the, the same time that you did, R.Y. I was well, – I got you by a couple of years. I was 22 at the time, yeah. Yeah. and um, I went into my father's study as well. I couldn't tell you what the modem was, but it, it made the noise. Yeah. You know, 
Nowadays, there is no noise. Back then, you know, they knew when you were online. But it was four in the morning. I won't try and make it here because I only have so much phlegm. And, <laughs> uh, I know what it sounds like. Gross. You know the sound? Yeah. Really? It's do 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 do. Yes. More, more or less, yeah. Yeah. I know that sound. Yeah. Beauty See? of it is, like, if you actually hook the sound <laughs> of the computer into external speakers, then you just turn the speakers off and it takes care of it. But, That's right. uh, but we'll call that, um, we'll call that level 2.0 at least. Yeah. I got online and I knew I had this crazy feeling and, uh, and I got on there. I got onto infoseek.com, which is a website that no longer exists. It would, it would have been a predecessor to Yahoo. At the time of this, Yahoo was two years old and it sucked. Yahoo, which unfortunately I don't have it in front of me. Yahoo actually does stand for something. It's an acronym. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? I do not know what it is. I forget now. I remember InfoSeek, and I heard a rumor that InfoSeek tried to buy Google when Google was a, was worth about a million and a half dollars. And uh, and Google was ready to sell, and InfoSeek said, no, your algorithm is too effective, and it doesn't leave room for people to scroll through ads, so we're going to reject it. And Google refused to make their algorithm less effective. And here we are. I love it. Please continue with the podcast. I just thought I'd drop that. No, that's awesome right there. So that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, through that InfoSeek search, I think I typed in, um, well, this will pretty much define me when I say it. I typed in diaper girl uh-huh. or something like that. The two things in the world that I wanted to take and put together at all points in time. And up popped a message board, probably, you know, one of the archaic ones, the such as the ones you first came across, Brody. And I, I think it was Adult Baby BBS. It was a UK site. Mm-hmm. And there was all these, and th- this was like very archaic. Now we got these fancy things and you got fonts and all this stuff on FetLife. Back then you had text. That was it. Yeah. Uh, but, but, it, but it was a very basic message board. And there was somebody named Melissa who put up a posting and I, I began to read this thing and the person didn't believe in punctuation. And didn't believe in, uh, you know, spelling words, but it was fine. I just kept plowing through it. Uh, I remember my heart was pounding so hard. I had a t-shirt on. I could look down at my chest and see my heart thumping because mm. nobody in the world at that point in time knew. I Melissa. Had that same experience yeah. the first time. Yeah. yeah don't need yeah. to freak out like you get like oh, tumors yeah. all over the skull. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. Melissa wound up being a guy who liked to dress sure. as a girl. Sure. And, uh, his sister found out, his older sister. And uh, she told her friends. So it's very much like, well, heck, I should just put that into a story. <laughs> but but it, it's very much the stuff of fantasy, which is why I, I didn't know as I necessarily necessarily believed it was the truth. But it didn't matter. This was coming from somebody's mind. And yeah, the story was about a guy who wanted to be put in a diaper and then the female is dominant. But what that told me was if those people actually exist, then the polar opposite of that exists too. Mm. And there is a girl out there who is just got every bit of it in her heart to get crinkly. And that's where it began. I come across DPF, you know, a bunch of... I love your optimism in that moment because I saw something that that was the the opposite of what I wanted for my life and I was like, I'm out of here. And you saw the opposite and went, well, the the rule of nature is where there is an opposite, right? Yeah, it's... it, it, It was overwhelming at the time and uh suddenly I became very good at doing internet searches. And very bold. You know? <laughs> like I, I would take like a female body part and the word diaper and I'd put them together just to see what came up. Yeah. It's like it, it doesn't matter who the heck is watching this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I get on there and I'm, I'm like, all these things popped up and I it was overwhelming and at first I was like, Wow. 
And of course, I wanted to see pictures. Nowadays, you got them all over the place. Heck, a lot of our friends are, are AB models and whatnot. Yeah. And back then, it didn't exist. You know, there was like Britney Spears that somebody had fake put some fake diapers on her in a picture. That was it. It did not exist otherwise. Yeah. But it was the, it was at the forefront of of everything that was going to happen. And um, coming across so much and continuing to come across more, and then eventually finding Diaper Space, which was a big deal. Yeah. And then Daddy'sGirl.net, I think, was the name of the. There was another message board. Nevertheless, um, finding some of those early ones, the overwhelm was still there, but it told me that uh, it's overwhelming because there are so many possibilities. It's just a matter of being like, well, all these people are out there doing it. It doesn't mean I, I'm somebody that can't do it as well. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of, okay, here's this great person in Arizona. Well, all right, I live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't mean we can't talk. We, we never would have met otherwise, but you keep everything you moderate it within your mind when you're yeah. being given all of this stimulus, like, holy crap, all these things are going to come to be. Um, uh, you, you tend to dream really big and that's good. So long as you're dreaming big about being little, that's what I like to say. Oh, I, nah. I know that from your writing and I like it. Well, you know, I, I like the idea of it. I like, there was somebody I was once with dear sweetheart angel sent to me directly from God almighty. Um, I would talk to her on the phone for hours and she's like, okay, give me the, give me the, the night, night speech, daddy. So I go into this thing and I would literally do that. Uh, I'd be like, now make sure princess that you have girlified your diaper before you go to sleep. <laughs> what if you go into your dream and there's like some cute boy and your diaper is not girlified. Okay. You know, <laughs> and, and, and then where will you be? That's right. So I just totally mush her. Then where will you be? Yeah, that's sweet. And I always ended it with, and I would talk very sweetly. Normally she was snoring by the end, <laughs> but I put her to sleep. That was the whole point. And I yeah. always would end it with, and make sure that you dream big about being little. That always seemed like a very sweet. That's sweet. Yeah, she was sweet. Still is yeah. sweet, actually. So now, <laughs> checklist. I, we got through the first one. Okay. Checklist item number two. Um, what is something most people don't know about you? Now, I will preface this with saying I don't actually research my own answers, just to keep it fair. But uh, mutually, we understand there is one answer that we've done a little research on here. But this is yeah. not that not that question yet. So this question is. What is something most people don't know about you? And this time, let's go in the order of chivalry. That is you, Road Not Taken. Oh, okay. You're on the hot Um, seat. Oh, um, I would say there's probably a lot of things people don't know about me because they don't say a lot about me. Um, but the one I'll go with is, uh, people usually don't know that I, um, I've played the trumpet for many years. I'm a trumpet player. No kidding. Yeah, people don't know that about me. ROI knows that about me. So is this like something that, um, actually now I remember a picture. I do recall a specific The trumpet job picture. That could be it. Um, was this the thing where you started in third and fourth grade? They started you with the flutophone and then. It, it is something, um, back when we were in fifth grade, we had to pick an instrument and then I went on to play. Through high school and um, practiced into college, but didn't play in anything else. And then I ended up doing a couple of um, just freelance things with R.Y. and his little rock group. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Mm-hmm. 
Oh it was really fun actually to get to perform together because she hadn't. It played, wasn't. She hadn't played. It it wasn't fun. And I got to, she got to come up and do it. With her. I don't like to. I did. I never <laughs> want to do it again. It was fun for one of us. It was fun for one of us, you and the other were, one of us almost threw up. You two really are married, aren't you? Yeah. Oh <laughs> one of us really enjoyed that experience, and it wasn't wasn't the person playing the trumpet, but I, I thought it was great. I I just I would have <laughs> done it a thousand times with just you in the house, but not out. Anywhere. Yeah, and that was a big crowd there. Oh, hey, that's understandable. So, you good RY, sir. What's yeah. something somebody does, that, that people don't know about you? Well, was, what is your the, enigma? I was going to talk about the rock band, but sure to let the cat No, you can do that. One. Nobody told you. No, it's, I didn't say anything. That one's about. dumb. Um, I love to collect and restore antique or antique age pinball machines. So, I have a small collection and growing of full on pinball machine. My favorite era is from the mid seventies through the mid eighties. And it is a, an obsession and a hobby and a place to burn all of my money. And it's so much fun. Do you have the Rocky Balboa pinball machine? The one from Rocky three? No. Oh, I got, I got really excited there for a minute. But I'll tell you what, I'm in on a bunch of pinball machine buy sell trade circles and if you really want one i bet you i could i could get what you're looking for oh man we're like a drug we're dealer have to talk we're gonna have to talk yeah get my boy sly on a pinball machine now we're talking this is this you, is absolutely fantastic i know that you're a big fan of of rocky the story the movies the whole bit oh yeah stallone in general like, like he's done some movies that have been like blase people don't like them like i love he hasn't done a bad movie yet in my opinion like truthfully, like Oscar was extraordinarily funny. People didn't like it because it was Rambo trying to do it. Like yeah. you put Johnny Depp in that role, and it, it's gold. It, it's a really fantastic script, and it, he's been very, uh, very bold with his career. But what I love the most about Stallone is the fact that even to this day, Hollywood and the world doubts him. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, Which was the whole point of his script for exactly. Rocky. Thank you. Yeah. Like, like he, he yeah. says, like that's the story of his life. Like in 2006, yeah. he's like, I'm gonna make Rocky six, and people laughed at him. Son yeah. of a gun, if that sucker wasn't in the top five that year, you know. And <laughs> he, as far as far as far as movies, two years later, he'd do another Rambo, and then what happened? Let's think about it. We have another Die Hard that emerged. Yeah. We have another yeah. Indiana Jones that emerged. Oh yeah, by the way, Star Wars came back. I'm not saying Stallone is the whole reason for that, but um. They doubt him. Oh, the Expendables is going to be horrible. My God, this stuff is gold. He he can't get enough people to be in these things, you know. What about it? What about his uh, his short lived role in Spy Kids Two as the evil genius? I mean, I don't know that I would call that Emmy worthy. I am so proud of you for remembering that. What? No, hold on That's a second. Awesome. Hold on, that was actually Spy Kids Three. Um, <laughs> and it was a uh, Spy Kids Three D. Sick, correct. The the master oh. toy maker. Yeah, it yeah, was this was fun. It, that was a, it was a fun. Okay, movie. so you're gonna give him that one too. Oh, you bet, you bet. I'm just trying to gauge how how already sold you are in your opinion of uh, because at this point, like if he's passing with flying colors on Spy Kids three, what's he gonna make that's gonna disappoint you? He tried really hard with the movie Driven. Uh, it was a uh, indie car racing. Oh, okay. Uh, it still had a good script. It had a good plot line, and that's why I liked it. But ultimately, I you could film him sitting in a chair talking about his bowel movements for two hours, and I would yeah, that's what I was, was going to say. At some yeah. point, like 
It's you become yeah. sold out, which I totally get. Right. right. Stallone can't fail. That's yeah. the other way. Yeah. To put yeah. It. Right. Exactly. So not to disappoint you, but literally the only thing I've ever seen him in is Spy Kids 3D. Oh, that's perfectly fine. Try to think of, uh, like if you were going to be like fully divergentized de- with regards to watching Stallone, like I couldn't even think of the one. Probably send you back to the originals, like Rocky or Rocky Two. Yeah. Which is it, it's a testosterone movie. But I tell you what, you will love the character and the connection. Uh, the character of Adrian, who becomes Adrian Balboa. And uh, if you've ever, ever seen the Godfather movies, the actress who plays Adrian Balboa is... Okay, you didn't see those. Either. Well, in any event, um, <laughs> there's a lot of parallels. Um, Diego de la Vega. It was a wealthy landowner, fictitiously, in California before it was a state. And that's what he was by day. By night, he was the masked bandit Zorro. And he would rise and fall, like every bit of everything within this world that meant anything to him happened because of who he was married to, Esperanza. Espy for short, I guess you could say. Esperanza was that important to him. Rocky Balboa, particularly in the second movie, um, she doesn't want him to be in the fight and then something happens. And she finally looks at him and she says, Rocky, I want you to do something for me. He says, what, Adrian? And then she says, <laughs> go out and win. And the moment that she said that, suddenly the montage of training kicks up and Rocky beats Apollo Creed and becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. Why? Because his wife, like, like his lifeline, the most important thing in the world to him, just gave him, I don't want to use the word permission, basically just said, I'm behind you now. So that's a very sweet thing. It is still a testosterone boxing movie, to be honest. But nevertheless, he wrote it, he directed it, he pulled this out of nowhere. He financed a big chunk of it. Like, this was his life. And I think that's amazing. We should watch it. We should put it on our list of things. We have a long list of things that we haven't seen yet. So you're looking at 1982's Rocky, produced by Gottlieb, four-player uh, solid state machine, which is right in the center of the stuff I like to work on. And I bet you I can find one for you. That's the one. That's the one from the movie. Oh my lord. Look yeah. at that. So there were, there were two back glasses made for that. One was the one used in the film because, uh, is it Polly actually throws something at it and breaks it? Yes, he does. And, and that was just used in the film, but the actual back glass is a giant picture of Rocky with his arms in the air. Oh. And yeah, it's a winner. So I'll see what I can do. Excellent. Does Excellent. It? Does he live super close to the pinball place? Yeah, we can make connections. Mm. He knows people. You got you got you guys have some good connections over there. You got people. You got people. He got people. So wait, what do we not know about you? What are we what do yeah, we what's your thing? You nobody knows other than your oh. obsession with uh with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, um yeah, I didn't answer, did I? What is something most people don't know about me? Uh I always I want to make certain to not repeat myself. From one podcast to the next. In the last one, I spoke of having a weak stomach, like severely weak. I always make the joke that uh, when I was an infant, I was colicky. Like I had that colic condition and I haven't gotten any better. Yeah. Which yeah. is why living in Lancaster County and being around bland food is perfect. Like I, <laughs> I have to maintain a very simple diet. Like there's a lot of foods. I have to be careful with salt. I have to be careful with pepper. Like I have an extremely weak stomach. And for that reason... I don't actually have any interest in BDSM. Uh-huh. It's probably because I can't physically do it. It's probably why I 
automatically went down the route of being a gentle daddy. I cannot physically do that. Now, I have a joke that I play on, play on people too. Be like, I want to take this, this, this girl and I want to put her in a diaper and I want to turn her brains to mush and I want to get her all trusting and everything else. And then I want to beat the tar out of her. This is exactly, <laughs> this is exactly what I should do. So I like to pick on the, the BDSMers. The BDSMers. Right? Yeah. But to each their own. The, the only thing is I know I can't do that. I cannot physically do it. Now, in the last podcast, Mako says, well, Nate, I'm going to call you out a little bit. He says, there's a lot of BDSM that can be mental. He, he says, so don't automatically write it off. I was like, well, this mm-hmm. is a valid point. Mm-hmm. If I come across somebody that's like, I like BDSM, but only mental. Well, then, hey, we're a match made in heaven. Until mm-hmm. then, everybody else who likes to donate skin from their rear end, well, I, I wish you the best. I think it's a great thing. But that was the first episode. This one, oh, God. I have, um, I'm a night owl, and a lot of folks know that, but there's a reason why. I have a sleeping condition that, um, and it might actually be because of the weak stomach, I don't know, but uh, I actually can't lay flat and be able to go to sleep. Uh-huh. I sleep on an, inc- on an incline. It's sort of, it's not a bed, it's like a couch sort of bed. So I sleep and like my torso is leaned upwards and my feet have to be propped a certain way, and... I can't have any stomach issue at all. I can't turn on the sides. I wake up. It was really bad at one point. I didn't understand how to handle the problem in college. And while I was at Temple University, um, I would sleep every other night. So I would literally wake up and be awake for 40 hours, and then I would sleep for eight, and then I would get on. That's actually how I got through college with the classes. Uh, To this day, I still have it. I don't really do much to to fight it, quite honestly. I did the sleeping pill thing for a while, but I'm like, you know, I don't want to put any drugs in my body. I'd much rather feel what it is that's happening and just continue to go from there. So it would be that I am a night owl at this point by choice, but uh, the nature of it is, in fact, a sleeping condition. So so you would stay awake until you were so tired that that eight hours would just happen. Yeah, I, I physically would lay down and I timed it out where that would be like midnight. So yeah. then I, I would, and then I would wake up the next morning at eight o'clock and I would feel normal. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is what normal people feel like when they get right, up every right, day. Right. You know? Oh, isn't that amazing? But it, but Gosh, it, it I couldn't do that. I that sounds really friend. hard. Right, it totally worked. At the time, I wasn't actually writing stories. That would have been great if I had something to do at night. So I played um, Tecmo Bowl. And oh, N- sure. Nintendo f- football uh, Tecmo Bowl. You go Bo Jackson all day. Yeah. On top. yeah. So I can recite the, the late night infomercials. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I used to be able to chronicle them. Oh, I've seen this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that leads to uh, number three, and this one's kind of fun. Um, so this is the one that we actually did a little bit of research on. Here. And uh, the, the, uh, the item is this. What are three words that you believe others would say describe you? So what we did was we texted a few friends and asked them, hey, what are three words that describe me? And, uh, well... What the heck? Um, let, let's see what has happened. Actually, let's start with you, uh, R.Y. What are some words that your friends said about you? So I made the mistake of texting my brothers first, uh, which I don't recommend with a question like this, because what came back was so filthy. Uh, I can't possibly repeat it on your podcast. And frankly, I'm going to say not that representative, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I texted a couple of my best friends, and uh, here are the words, the three words that, that kind of dominated. Uh, insightful, open-minded, and committed. 
hmm. were, the, were the three words that, that came back uh, strongest. Okay. Insightful, and committed, which, yeah, I was like, great, I will take that. Right. Uh, what I liked about, and then, of course, I wrote back and said thanks, was insightful to me is a really nice, it's, it's well distinguished. I've never liked if somebody says, hey, you're smart. I think it's a lovely thing to tell somebody. Right. But it's like telling somebody you're tall or um, you sure are in this room because it's, it says nothing about application. It just says it seems that, it seems that you have capacity for this, whether or not you're doing anything about it. What I loved about insightful uh, and I take to heart is insight is to me the combination of perception and application. And it means not only can you help see things, but you can see things and make them meaningful. And I think that's super cool. So I took I took that as a tremendous compliment. And uh, I am proud of being the type of guy who uh, commits when I when I say something, I tend to stick with it, uh, sometimes to a fault, but I tend to follow things out. And um, and I try and I try and follow through on the things that I promise um, and open minded. Certainly, I will forever value. So I'll take all three of those. Absolutely. So thank you to my friend. Absolutely. That's really nice. Yeah. yeah. Follow that up, Rody. All right. Um, so I have two best friends, and I texted them both. And um, thank goodness they just kind of answered and didn't ask me any questions about it. <laughs> um, so my first one gave me two words. She said, loving, thoughtful, and also I miss you, and can we hang out before I leave for a work trip? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the second one said, um, warm, soft hearted, and a bit of a pushover, lol, winky face, tongue out. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Well, all right. <laughs> there they are. I think they're probably pretty accurate. I, I think it's kind of fun. Like, um, when we ask other people, whereas they'll always take things and sugarcoat them. Now, yes, brothers will certainly be brothers. I know that feeling too. <laughs> I regretted it the second I said it. <laughs> oh, don't you love it? Don't you love it? Uh, but people can say things about us that perhaps we wouldn't say about ourselves. I think a lot of times when you get people, like, like when you get a lot of folks on podcasts, and there's a bazillion of them, it, that's, that's a really cool thing. I, I wish there were more podcasts. I wish more people would do it. Yeah. When you get a cluster of folks together, sometimes people are like, okay, I'm not going to say that because, okay, this person's here. And a lot of times you don't get a truthful answer. But right there. Just what your friend said of you right there, that speaks, it speaks volumes about both yeah. of you. And it's yeah. a really cool thing. It's a really, really cool thing. What I really like about it is, um, I can attest to this. My, my best friend in the world, the one who called me a bit of a pushover, I always, I always think of myself a bit as, as like, she's like a, she's kind of got the personality of like a baby deer. Like mm -hmm. you just don't ever want to hurt her and, you kind of don't want anybody to hurt her and she's also scared of everybody. And I always think of myself as like kind of like our strong like bear. And she's like, yeah, you're a bit of a pushover. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right. It's kind of, I don't know. The honesty is nice. And also it kind of messes with my perception of myself and our relationship because I was like, oh, I kind of always thought that I was like a real hard ass and. Would you rather be seen as a hard ass or a pushover? No, I'm, I'm not a hard ass. So That's a really good question right there. I'm not one, so I'd rather her see me as I am, which is truly a bit of a, I mean, I am a little bit of a pushover. Um, so it's fine. 
I mean, evidenced by the fact that she changed your opinion of you in one word. I think that's well, evidence I that you are a I trust what she says. She's my best friend. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. And and I think it's it's uh, phenomenal that uh, when you started that out you said you have two best friends. I do. You are a king, actually you are a queen. Uh Thank you. Uh, among peasants. <laughs> it does negate the word best. However, I have the same situation. I have two best friends. Yeah. Uh, one who the is the best my... of our friends. Oh, you betcha. The best uh, ones. The one who is my roommate, at least for a few more months here. And then another who, oh my God, I was his best man. When did he get married? That was eight, eight, 18 years ago. He got married. Uh, he's now, he's now, uh, they have two kids and, uh, I do visit with him. Not as often. I realize when you, when you're, you know, when your chum best friend uh, gets married, you don't see them as often, and you probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. they have a partner in life. Yeah. But I've always considered myself to be very blessed because I had the two of them, and they were, in fact, the the first two people in the world that I said something to. Most ironically, so I I won't yeah. forget this time. Now I'm actually so your gonna... your roommate knows, which means you don't have to feel weird about podcasting about it. Like you're not True. whispering. Oh yeah, not only yeah. that, I'll tell you something crazy. Um, he and uh, his ex girlfriend. Um, appear in some of the covers of my books. No. Now, they do not appear like it's not their faces. Basically, okay. I would have him sit on a chair and she would curl up on his lap and then I'd contort her body into what it needed to look like. And then I'd take a close-up picture and then I would turn that into a cartoon picture. Oh, that's so cool. Like, some of the books that I write are, are Yitlin. They're uh, the Rockabye and uh, The Adventures yeah. of Penny. and uh, They're not designed to... Uh, the stories don't have any sexual content to them. There's no butt whooping. There's none of that. People may get sexual feelings from reading them, but there is no butt. There's there's no, pardoning my rudeness. There, there's no sex. Uh, there's no cock sucking. There's no eating out. There is nothing that is of a sexual action going on. It is a pure and innocent story. She's in La La Land the whole time. So whenever I do one of those books, I always make it like a cartoon picture on the front, which made it easier for me to take pictures of them. And then I just sort of take their body shapes and, because the thing is, I can't ever get perspective right. Like, she has, like, a an enormous left shoulder if I try to draw it by hand. Right, right, right. And th- there I was, think that's uh, so cool. That is cool. There was a short time I was in discussion with somebody within the community, and I can't remember her name now, who I spoke with. I was like, what do you think about this? Because this is somebody, like, draws, you know. And yeah. uh, I didn't follow it up, unfortunately, and I haven't done that kind of a book in a while. But I was like, well, what the heck? I'll just uh, – there's plenty of people within the community that do this. I didn't realize you were drawing your own covers. Well, the ones that are hand drawn, yes. Oh, that's so cool. The pictures, no. Like those are those are ones that uh, I pay a chunk of money for, especially the Mia series. You were the first, by the way. You were the first ABDL story author that I absolutely fell in love with. That I read everything by. You were the first named author I pursued, whose work I pursued, because I had scoured. I mean, you you've. Uh, seen, I'm sure, all of it. You've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly across the EBDL writing spectrum. And much like podcast, uh, I, I, I love that everybody's in, right? So even if it's bad, I'm glad you're making it. Yeah. Uh, right. Because because I want everybody to play, and I want more options. So awesome. Um, you don't have to be a pro to do it, but your stuff stood out as being uh, well-conceived and thoughtful and it was, it was, uh, procedural. You actually made choices to take one step to the next as if you had a narrative in mind. It was well-written, grammatically correct. Like, 
as as two English majors who are married to each other, we sometimes uh, roll our eyes a bit over some of the stuff that we take in. And uh, and yours was the first. You, you were the first author that I knew by name that I knew I wanted to keep pursuing your work. Well, that is extraordinarily flattering, and I thank you. And at the same time, I do apologize. It sounds like I'm the cause of your mental damage. <laughs> you certainly, you were my gateway drug, right? But no, I mean, honestly, um, I'm just so grateful that you and, and the other content creators, those those who, who write in a way that I like and those who I don't, uh, or those who write in a way that I don't, I'm just so grateful for all of you who continue to make content because you don't have to. There's nobody putting a finger, you know, on you every day saying you need to go stay up and write. Um, but it's a gift to all of us. And that's true for those who make pictures and videos and podcasts. Right. And audio, um, I'm just, I'm grateful for everybody. There's another fine example right there where once again, there's no wrong way to do it. And you're right. Like, uh, what somebody may perceive as bad. Like, yeah. like, I've come across stories that, um, I'll tell you a quick one. This is back, oh, I don't even know what the storyboard was. And it was way early. It was a story of these, uh, Martians, aliens who came down to earth and shot sure. all the human beings with their gun, with their gun rays and shrunk them down to baby size. Sure. Picked them all up, put them into diapers, put, took them into their um, uh, spaceships and flew them back to whatever planet. So now they have an entire planet of human babies. and uh, But now these human babies are going to grow up to be human. So for quite a few years, they've got the ABDL fantasy. Now, the twist to the story is once these humans become adults, they then become slaves to no. these Martians. And they're no longer babies. But and And for well, as well. much as I was like, okay, you know, the... There's no character, you know, that, 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 that's the hero. There's no real ending to it that I, I was happy with. I was astounded by the creativity. Yeah. I love the twist right at the end because I, I didn't see it coming, you know. Oh, yeah. It, it's yeah. Like, I... yeah it, it's like the movie Shawshank Redemption. Right at the end when, when, you know, the big event happens and you learn how the main character did it. Like, I, I remember watching it the first time. My jaw hit the table and bounced back up. Yeah. I was like, Stephen King, you are amazing. Oh yeah. So uh, there's a lot of stories that probably people probably read. They're like, "This sucks. This is horrible," and that's okay because there's somebody out there who reads it, and that's exactly what they're looking for. Absolutely. But they may only be one person of like a handful, as opposed to you know, like somebody that like wants you know, fifty diaper shades of gray or whatever. That sort of right. Thing. That's for sure. So it, it's awesome. The more, the merrier. Keep it coming. Yep. And I always say to folks, if you really want to publish something. All you have to do is contact me. I will walk you through the process. We'll get you out there. I'll even promote you. The more, the merrier. That's awesome. Because I don't ever, I don't ever want it to be like when I did those first couple of searches. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Now it's all over the place. But uh, I just want there to be as much content, healthy content, you know, thing, things that really are, are explanatory as opposed to someone making a joke of it on Jerry Springer and not really having it be a, um, you know, a, a truthful thing. So it's 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 uh, good all the way around. I will now uh, my three words uh, that you believe others would say describe you. Uh, I made the mistake of contacting the llamas about this, as well as Phil and Curry, the two that run TeddyCon. Um, the llamas. Uh, this is a local group. It's Lancaster Little Lancaster Littles, age players, middles, and adults. And oh, that right. makes so much more sense. Llamas. I was picturing the, the actual llamas, so. And there is a llama called Carl on YouTube. So I was picturing the Dolly yes. one, yeah. so that's very different yeah. also. I first suggested llama. It could be Lancaster Lesbians and Mennonites Association, but <laughs> they ruled me out. I said, well, okay. Because okay. yeah. I'm not a lesbian or a Mennonite. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> but in any event, they wrote back to me. The, I kid you not, the first three I got, first person wrote dick, dickish, dickhead. <laughs> that was good. literally, and, and then they followed it up with a, with LOL, but then they, they wrote, uh, loyal, compassionate, and hardworking. Yeah. And that was very nice of them. And then, uh, and then I got another one that said energetic, unique, and gregarious. I had to look up what that meant. But my favorite one was the last one that was sent to me. <laughs> he wrote, uh, three words that, uh, describe, that, 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 that best describe you are Zorro fucking daddy. Nice. <laughs> I said, well, okay. Thank you very much. I won't be texting anyone else. Doesn't it make you want to ride in on a horse and just rip your shirt off Zorro style and be like, Zorro fucking daddy? That's, That's right. right. That's right. Cause I, I'm told that when I get a little too drunk. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do make that statement. On occasions, I'll have me, you know, a few more Guinnesses than what I should. Um, and I don't even know, like, what the context is. Somebody will say something. I'm like, oh, that'll never happen. And then I'll look at them and I'll say, oh, yeah, I'll make it happen. They'll be like, how? I said, I'll tell you how. Or, uh, well, you know, how is this going to be possible? I'll tell you how it's going to be possible because I'm Zorro fucking daddy. This is what I say. To there you go. I have no recollection of this, or at least that's my story. <laughs> it's my story. I'm sticking to it. Right? That's right. That's for sure. Well, actually, the next one um, we've kind of answered already. It's how did you discover the ABDL community and and the existence of ABDL? But in, instead of like sort of rehashing some of that, uh, let's let's take it and change it a bit. Uh, when did you first enter into the community? When did mm. you create a profile? Not necessarily one that had a picture. But when did you create a profile and become active within the community? Yeah, so I mine was I was 30 years old. Um, again, I, I mentioned earlier it's just post amicable divorce when we discovered we were sexually compatible. Tell them about your year of yes. Oh yeah, okay. So at 29 is when we actually split, and um, I spent a year. You've seen the movie Yes Man, where he goes to some. Oh, yes. Jim Carrey goes to something and is convinced to spend a year saying yes to everything. And uh, I didn't go to any seminar. I just thought that sounded like a good idea. So my rules were um, literally anything that you are offered or invited to, you say yes, unless you've already scheduled something else during that time by saying yes to something else. It can't be permanent. So, for instance, a tattoo or jail time. Um, and so by, by virtue of that, it probably, it had to fit within my moral framework. So I, my rules were if, if it violates my own moral framework. So I had to be really choiceful about what is my moral framework. And I spent a couple of days sort of outlining that. And, uh, from there on did a year of yes. And during that year, one of the things that I decided to say yes to was somebody who suggested I had shared, uh, I had shared my kink with a close friend and said, I just don't know what to do. And they said, well, why don't you go online? And I don't know where you'd go, uh, what you'd look for, but see if you can find an online community of some kind. So I probably typed in ABDL community or diaper adult community or something. Sure. And uh, up came FetLife and it's the year of yes. I mean, you described before your being able to see your heart through your shirt and I could just totally identify. Oh, yeah. Heart's pounding in my chest. I'm sweating it. Just my veins are poking out of my skin. I'm so nervous. Go, go on Fat Life. And I remember taking several false starts. And if I hadn't been on my year of yes, there's no way I would have done it. But 
um, I would fill out half a page of profile and then ditch. And then I would fill out three quarters of a page of profile and ditch. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then finally, um, I, you know, I finished one and my, <laughs> my original name, I didn't know what to put on there was dry guy, something, something, oh which God. I had taken. Yeah. I've taken no end of shit <laughs> for, uh, which is legit. And nice I, I was like, what do people do on sex sites? I guess you talk about your fetish of dry guy. I don't know. Um, it didn't go over well. And I'm so grateful that, uh, a friend of mine who goes by, we all have naughty secrets on Tumblr. With him oh, yes. I know who you mean. Been friends that? from, from just about day one. He sent me a note and said, Hey, you seem like such a good guy. Your, your uh, name sucks and you should change it because nobody will want to talk to you. Ah. And I'm so grateful. So to him, I say thank you. Um, and. <laughs> Let's see. So that was 30. So when did I get in the community? I mean, that was like filling out a profile. Um, I, two big things happened. One was I made a, I reached out to some guy whose messages I enjoyed on the forum. And I said, this is going to sound super weird, but I've just never talked to another person of this persuasion of this inkling. Uh, I just to hear the voice of another person would feel so meaningful for me. Because I've always felt like the only one in the world. Could we have like a 10-minute phone call? Would that be okay? And he's like, yeah, sure. So I called him, and we spoke for 15 or 20 minutes. And it was just, where are you from? You know, what got you into this? What, what are you doing with your life? And that experience was game-changing for me. Because even making human-to-human contact was such a big deal. And finding out, like, I, I, some part of me expected this to be uh, a, a voice of, like, a monster or a devil or something, you know, because I hadn't reconciled this thing to my own existence. And then uh, step two was to meet somebody in person. And I had the, I actually wrote about it. It's on my, on my FetLife account. Um, I believe the title of the post is called On Martians and Quesadillas. And... It was because I happened to be going to California, and I reached out to a couple of friends uh, that I had met yeah. and said, um, would you be willing to meet in person? I've never met anybody in person. We can just go to like a lunch thing, um, nothing creepy. Wait a minute. Are you telling me those – I know who you're talking about. Are you telling me those were the first two out in California? Yes. During yes, that? California. No kidding. Yeah, that How was cool it. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually asked one of one of the two people, uh, and she said, I'm only coming if I can bring this other person because I don't want you to murder me. And I said, I said, that's totally fair. So um, I got to meet two wonderful people, both women, which was even more terrifying for me. And we met over quesadillas and um, at a bar called the Pink Taco. Uh, which was literally, that was the only sex part of our conversation was the bar we were at. Everything else was just getting to know each other. And that was so breakthrough for me to sit across from another human being. That is awesome right there. Yeah. Well, well you actually answered the very next question too. Oh. So, Rody, uh, we'll, we'll do uh, two for one. Make it a uh, two for How did you uh, first become active within the community? And then who was the first ABDLer that you met? All right, so I know that I had a lot of time um, while listening to RY to prepare for this, but I didn't at all. <laughs> I was just listening. Um, so I don't. I okay, so um, huh. That actually makes you a better person than me. 
I That's, totally would have been thinking about what I was doing. But I normally would, like, just out of the anxiety of, like, not having an answer. But I didn't, which is why it's all coming out now. Um, so the first person I met who was an ABDL was actually that gentleman I spoke of um, from the forum that I was uh, chatting on who offered. So I was in college. Um, and I had to drive, I don't know, it was like over eight hours to get to this human being. But I just thought, I've always been one of those people who was like, I'm from a very small town in Louisiana. And I always knew I had to get very, 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 very far away from home to sort of safely explore who I was in any kind of way. Sure. And um, so I did a lot of driving. And he was the first person I met, and uh, God bless him, he he had to handle all of the, I, I mean, I've, I've divulged this to RY, but I, like, ordered a kid's meal, and then somewhere between ordering the kid's meal and actually getting to the window to pay, I cried and, like, wouldn't accept the kid's meal because I thought, like, oh, like, I can't explain how much... I was like not okay with any expression of cuteness or littleness for so very long. Oh wow! Um, and to be clear, I'm not laughing at your pain, but that is 15 feet from. I couldn't handle it. I was like, give it back! <laughs> I don't want it. Like I just was really upset. So, oh um, my goodness! And so this poor human had to handle all of it, yeah. all of it, and handled it so gracefully because it, it was not his first time around the block, though it was my first time. Um. And so that's, I guess, how I first had an experience with it. Um, and then shortly after moved to England for, um, a year and a half and had a lot of experiences one on one with, um, people there or one on two. I met a couple who I had, um, sort of a six month thing with and it was really fun to get into it that way because I'm not a group person and I'm really uncomfortable in groups, but, one-on-one in really intimate situations is kind of my thing, and it's how I was able to really connect to myself while also exploring with other people. And then I got back to the States and went to a party in New York City with, like, people who I didn't know and didn't know until much later were the people that are, like, in charge of the, like, young groups on FetLife. And that's kind of how I met everybody. Um, but I was already kind of into it by that. Like I'd already had some experience under my belt and I didn't feel so green at that point. And I wasn't crying at kids meals anymore. And I was like, you know, wearing overalls without having a full on panic attack. Um, oh my goodness. And to be clear, we're not even talking about overalls in a diaper. We're talking just, just wearing just overalls and not in public. Like, so I, I don't, so this is, this falls into the category of a, talking too long and having too much information shared and also be things that people don't know about me, but I didn't even allow myself to use in any context, the word cute or anything like it until I was like 22. I just didn't say it. Cause I was like, don't you're a very serious human with serious adult aspirations. And like, I just didn't. So, um, so yeah, it was it was, it was a big difference. It was it was hard for me. I tell you, there there's some brilliance to that. I think a lot of folks, um, we say you know like come to the munch, and I was literally just speaking with PA Daddy. He's essentially the brains of Llama. He and his wife 
I just happened to go to it. Uh, we were talking about, you know, like just sort of like taking llama and just sort of like growing it a little bit, but not trying to get wide quick, like, like a, like a pyramid scheme, trying to keep folks around. It's like, what is it that folks actually want when they go to something like a munch or a convention? They do want the interaction, but I think what a lot of folks will, um, uh, what what they will neglect is to respect their own starting point. And it sounds like for you that you knew what your starting point was. You're like, okay, small groups is what works best. Maybe there'll be bigger groups later. Heck, you were at FetFest. There were hundreds of people there, but that wasn't yeah. how it started. You know, like, so you moved in that direction. I think a lot of folks are like, well, here I am. I want to do this, but I'm, I'm not really sure about, um, well, I, I don't really know. I, I, I just need people to be patient. I want someone to kind of explain it to me. Well, you kind of need to take a look of, like everybody really needs to take a look at what is it that you're okay with now. If you're able to walk into a situation and be like, hey, here's what it is, here's what I can do, then you know what the next thing is that you can do, and that is clearly what you've done. So kudos well, to you, you. For, for knowing yourself and, well, and sure. implementing that. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, 5,000 miles and not knowing anyone within that 5,000 miles was kind of my starting point. Hey, there you go. There you <laughs> so go. Well, you ne- but you knew it. But you know what you need. <laughs> You're keeping it broad and wide. Here we go. Yeah, there you go. Bring it go. to a smaller circle. That works well. <laughs> well, um, gosh, I think it was aby.com. That is a really old site. I think I put my face up there, and that's actually where I get a met a guy named Penji, who I would meet, oh gosh, probably 10 years later at NellyCon, which was a predecessor to TeddyCon. I, I would not put my face up online anywhere until 2011. Uh, the fall, actually, it was the summer of 2011, and by then, FetLife had already existed. So, I will say aby.com was my first profile. And the first ABDLer I met was a girl named Brooke. She comes from Jersey. And, uh, she was curious about the idea. She had <laughs> read something that I wrote, and she tried it out. We tried it out, and uh, we, we spoke for a little while, but, uh, I, I think she really didn't want to, uh, she tried it out, and it just was something she likes to read as opposed to do. So the pers- first person I met was a girl named Brooke. Now the most important checklist item of this entire thing, okay? Like, so this is the pinnacle. Are you ready for it? Are you sitting if you down? Do, if you do wet, messy, or both, I'm leaving right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Well, that may not happen, but uh, <laughs> Good. like the, your answer to this question might possibly lead to that. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, all right. So this is it. <clears throat> what is your favorite? Chunky peanut butter or creamy peanut butter? Oh, good one. Crunchy peanut butter is yeah, my favorite. I think he would count crunchy as chunky. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's my favorite. You're saying that's the one? Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to sound like a bickering old married couple again. I mean, literally Don't say creamy. It's, it's creamy all day. And I'm going to be real specific. It's it's Peter Pan cream. I know this butter. about him. And, so uh, the chunks are like pulp in orange juice. They're they're an affront. They're they're an absolute abomination to the core, to the core principle of the thing. No, they're the only reason you don't have to put pretzels in your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, no, I never felt the pressure to put pretzels in my peanut butter and jelly Why? sandwich. Why chips? I mean, I have done that, but only for to me. Peanut butter, it's nature. 
Its very essence is a creamy essence. Everything else is an addition. Like I assume when they make chunky peanut butter, they don't underchunk peanuts. They get creamy peanut butter because that is its way. You know butter? And they add chunks. You know butter? Yeah. You know like... Do you want chunky butter? Do you know like pecan butter? No. <laughs> no, no yeah. Pecan butter. Yeah, like with the with the chunks of pecan in it. It's really good. Okay, so here's the There's thing. I do the, gro- I do the grocery shopping at our house, and this is why I have... Both Peter Pan creamy peanut butter and chunky peanut butter at our house. Crunchy peanut butter. Sorry. This is why I have both. This is why. Well, okay. Now. You've got to be the tiebreaker on this because this is an opinion show. But well, actually, no. It's unadulterated fact. It's not fact. I hear you. I'll give you my answer. And I have to say that I agree with R.Y. on this one. Thank you. But uh, my, my, my reasoning might be a little different. However, within your household, everyone else who lives there, what is their preference? She likes crunchy peanut butter. She likes the crunchy. She does. Okay, so you've corrupted her. Okay, very she, good. It's right. more exciting. She also dips her pretzels in water and likes to mix her cucumbers in with all of her other foods. So now you're talking. Just, just take that into account when you consider her perspective. <laughs> Our kids. She also has broccoli with ketchup. So th- today I was feeding her broccoli, chicken, and rice. And I said, do you want to get the ketchup before we watch our movie? And he said, why do you need ketchup? What for? It's grilled chicken. And I said, no, it's for the broccoli. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> it is. Can I just, for the only time in my life that I've ever been able to say this, I'm the more adventurous eater of the two of us. I like crunchy peanut butter. Actually, that's that's a fairly uh, that's fairly accurate and makes good sense. I always steered towards creamy because um, it just went down a little simpler. And having a weak stomach, I have (laughs) I have like a, a grilled cheese diet. Like that's. You know, like, so the, the, there will always be little food in my house because that's all that I can eat. So that's, that's essentially why I went in the direction of creamy. That's good. Yeah. But that did is you very become, much the reason. Did you become an ABDLer just to keep your food simple? Like I would have totally admired that choice. Oh my. Well, if I had remained one of them, their nillers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people might have looked at me weird. Like when we go to like, you know, like, you know, Red Lobster and I'm asking them for like a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> right. You know. Right. They might have raised a few eyebrows there. Now you have a reason. There's yeah. no shame in that. There's no shame in that. <laughs> I hear you there. Well, um, this one I actually kind of had to take in, in augment a little bit because this is, it, it's not a one-on-one podcast now. It's a one-on-one couple podcast. Mm. We, we, it's up the ante. This is a good stuff. Here we are. So uh, the next question is, Something I have been asked a bazillion and one times, and to this day, I still do not have an answer for it. R.Y., hopefully you can come up with one. And then I will augment the question a little bit to make it uh, relate to you as well, Rudy. So the question is, what does a daddy get from it? Or what does a little get from it? Oh. And bear bear in mind, again, you can give your own personal uh, perspective and opinion on it. That's the whole point of this. Right, right, right. What does R.Y. get from it? What does uh, Road Not Taken get from it? So I am really interested in both of your answers because I I can't say as I have access to either myself because I think I primarily identify 
have daddy side, but I switch a little bit. So that makes me different than both of you in that, as I understand it, Zora, you don't switch often. And as I understand it, uh, because I'm married to you, when you do switch, it's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is fun because I think if, if, if I get it right, Zora, we have a little different perspective on this. Okay. Um, so I get to look at it from both sides. I tend to do about 90% on one side, which is more the daddying side, about 10% on the switchy side. Accurate? Accurate. Okay. Um, I think one of the things that I get from it, so I, as I said, I've always known this thing. I've never known otherwise, which means even as a kid, there was a part of me, a non-sexual part, but a part nonetheless that was like comfort, love, nurturing, protect, care for through this particular means. And even if I'm the one at the moment who needed that most, the way that I processed it and the way that I handle it uh, became a function of autonomy. It became an empowerment of I can if I can bring this to someone, then I am in charge of it, that it's not out of my reach. And um, in a way, it's imagine if, if you spent so many nights cold outside and there was just nothing you could do about it. And then you figured out like how lighters and wood work and you could make fire. You would all of a sudden feel so much more in charge of your well-being. Right. And so for me, I connect. I think I'm, I'm hypothesizing because all this happens pre-consciously, but I think what it is is the capacity to deliver the thing that I needed and wanted so badly and to see joy in somebody else getting something I needed and wanted so badly that became on my own volition. It was something that I could actually do instead of just wanting for it. I think that became incredibly attractive to me. So long-winded way of saying, I think what I'm attracted to about it is that it's something I love so much and wanted so much that now that I can create it, uh, I feel incredibly powerful in such a such a pure, loving, good-hearted way. Well, okay, Rudy, you follow that up because I don't want to have to. <laughs> yep, throwing you under the bus. There we go. That felt that felt like wandering. Did that make sense? No, that, that, that was absolutely fantastic. Like that okay. that was like you traveling down to the center of your soul, and then yeah. using using like every bit of information to you know to talk your way back up. That's phenomenal. That that right there speaks volumes as well. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay, I'm glad it made sense. <laughs> I'm used to following him. I yes. can handle it. <laughs> um. So, what do I get from it? Um. What I get from I'll start with where he sort of left off, which is what I get from the side of him that needs those things. Whenever I'm being the top the mommy is access to something beautiful and pure and untouched that no one else gets access to or ever has had access to and that's really that's really something beautiful within a um, long-term relationship is just having access to a part of your partner that the world doesn't see especially when you have a partner like ry who gives so much of himself to everyone around him um having a part that's just really beautifully kept and saved and for me to take care of is, is wonderful. And I always feel so excited and lucky and connected to him whenever we explore that because 
it just feels so like snow that only we've walked on, you know, no one else. And um, the other side, I guess what I get from it the most is I just I've always kind of I guess you got from my earlier ramblings that I've always been an, an adult, not not fully an adult, but always felt like I should always be. And so to experience love and acceptance and reinforcement in a way that I never, ever did um, before and um, kind of always said I didn't want and thought of as being, you know, kind of like this stupid thing, but really did want. Um, it's nice. It's It's nice to have that with someone for the first time as well or have that with someone and have it touch a part of you that doesn't um, normally get accessed. Wow. Now I wish I had followed him up. Gee whiz, I got a follow-up that answer. Holy cow. Whew. Jeesh. I mean, well, it's fun. Um, That's what I meant to say. It's fun. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> there we it go. makes me feel good on my okay. inside parts. You know, like, that's like it. That's what it is. You know, it's funny. There you go. <laughs> but that part is so true. Like, all the stuff that that we talked about, at least I can say for me, is my best guess based on years and years of work. But like in the end, all I knew at its most core state is that it feels good. Do you want me just to say that? Because that is easier to follow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I absolutely loved both of your answers. And I, I, I think the two of you have just convinced me. Uh, once again, I'm going to rip off the Big Little Podcast. Every episode. We do um, it too, yeah. The checklist idea I stole from um, Mako and uh, Spacey had the thing. It's called the the pin list. And it, it's sort of when conversation dies down. You know, they have something to pull from it so it's not dead space because they do you know, live broadcasts of it. So there's always something to talk about. So they have, you know, ready topics in, in the event that conversation uh, dies out. I love the idea of it, so I created a checklist. Like, okay, here's what we will talk about. Here's the itinerary. But what they also do is um, anybody that actually wants to take their podcasts and go through the time of writing them out so there's a transcript, you can do that. I did that with one of the ones I was on. It took me about six months because the thing is yeah. you don't always know all the voices. Now, it, like if I were to do this one, I know my voice. I know the two of yours. This is easy. But when you've got eight people on it, you don't know who's saying what. You don't know. You know, what's happening, but I, I kind of think with, if I continue to do these podcasts, that's what I'm going to do now. Because what you both just said is like, it hits a lot of points that are textbook points, things that everybody feels. They just may not have the same words as you did. So like, once again, it's like, yeah, we all like the A, B, D, and L, and there's something about it fundamentally that we all enjoy too. We just have different flavors of, uh, of of the ice cream, yet it's still all ice cream. They were phenomenal answers. Mine, I guess, is a little simpler. Um, I've never been a able to get uh, to give uh, an answer. I've, I've been asked this so many times, and I, from time to time, I understood. And I'm not trying to be, you know, anything in saying this, but when they ask me, "What do you get from it as a daddy?" They were looking, they were looking for information. There were some individuals that were like that. But to answer it in general, I can put it into one word that really isn't fully descriptive. Purpose. It gives you a purpose. A purpose you didn't have before. 
I'll tell you a story. That dear sweet angel that God Almighty sent down to me, we would once uh, go to speak with her counselor. She, you know, had a little a bit of time in her life, and she would have a counselor. And the counselor wanted to meet me because she spoke of me. Now she didn't say the ABDL to the counselor, but we're sitting in there, and uh, counselor's like, "Yeah, I, I want to meet him. Bring in, bring this guy." And so I go into this counseling session, and I'm sitting there. The counselor says, okay, explain the nature of your relationship. Now, luckily, she answered that. She said, um, I'm somebody that, that just really gets a lot, you know, not just from being taken care of, but it gives me the ability to know what to give back. And that's a key thing. I always had the, the truest belief that if you always give back more than you take, then you will always know what it is like to be taken from and to be taken from hard. I think a lot of times people neglect that right there. It's important to know that about yourself and about your partner. Uh, and if you don't, then, well, you'll meet the end. Take my word for it. But while sitting in there, it's like, well, what do you give him? And, and she, she answers with, uh, to be taken care of. And then the counselor looks at me and says, so, Nate, do, do you want to be taken care of? And I paused for a second and I said, no. And it was the clearest thing. And suddenly I was like, wow, now I can't answer the question. No, I don't want to be taken care of. I'll get to me when everybody else is like, I just, I, I won't, you know, be calm. I won't be happy until I have done everything that I'm supposed to do until I have fulfilled my purpose, at least at that moment. I will say that I did try switching at the behest of someone else from the past who had it in her head that I was not a daddy, that I was in fact an AB. I said, I'm not an AB. She said, have you ever tried? I said, no. She said, well, then how do you know? I said, good point. So we tried and I actually switched and I was Zorro baby for like three or four times. And what we walked away from that, I walked away from that knowing even more clearly, yeah, I'm not a little. She and I also gained a little more appreciation for what it was that we each were looking for in a relationship, but also what the other person was looking for. And we recognized the things that lined up well and the things that would never line up. And uh, that was very rewarding in that regard. But to put it into one word, purpose. That's what I would say as a daddy, that purpose is what exists. Literally tomorrow morning, I will be heading up to Allentown and we're going to set up TeddyCon. And that'll kick in on Thursday. And I have a lot of purpose at this moment. I have a lot of things that I need to do. I, I, I brought extra t-shirts because, you know, when you move all these huge blocks and put together a crib, you tend to sweat a lot. And there's purpose in that. And hopefully that translates, translates a lot of ways. So there are good things that come from it. Good things that we find from ourselves can leading I, into the just, next question. If, if it's all right, can I pause you and just say, like, I, what a sterling moment of clarity that you had in this person's, uh, sh shrink office to be like, no, like mo nobody ever, nobody ever says that. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was literally, it was literally that moment. It was clear. Yeah. I still don't know how to put it to words, but at that moment, I finally understood it. Like that was a key point. You could tell that this, this uh, counselor was a professional yeah. psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever it is, because they knew the question to ask. Like here's at the core of it. It's the polar opposite of what she just said, yet it's the same. And that was a, that, that was a very big thing right there. Like I'll never forget that moment. Uh, not just for being happy and smiling myself, but for seeing her face light up as well. Because it's what she wanted to hear. 
And it's what I wanted to say. And that was a really awesome thing. That's for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, that works. That works. Well, that, well, then we'll go, we'll go the, the polar opposite of this now, but uh, maybe there's a positive light to it because once again, it's about recognition of ourselves. This is actually the last little question where we're asking about one another. And then we actually begin to plow into uh, bigger issues that uh, have a lot to do with the community, let's say. So the, the final question of, uh, of interest is, uh, in your opinion, which clearly it would be, what is your greatest personal flaw? Something about yourself that, you know, uh, it's a bit lackluster. If you could yeah. criticize yourself about one thing, what is it? So I know a guy who uh, went into a job interview with this question. It's a fairly common question in job interviews. You know, what do you say is your biggest area of opportunity or whatever you want to put on it? And uh, he was applying for a job as a sales rep for a uh, pharmaceutical company. And he went in and he goes, uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't have any. And I was and I was like, dude, that's the worst answer I've ever heard. And they hired him on the spot. And I was like, this. Wow. Is, yeah, this is why I wouldn't want to work for this company, because you'd be surrounded by that guy. You bet. Yeah, you bet. Do you want to do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? No, I don't. You don't. You go <laughs> first. How do we narrow them? Um, so <laughs> I'll pick a couple. Uh, one is more sort of uh, ground level, but I I have a horrible horrible memory for uh, people and places. I have a great memory for um, things that touched me, but I can't place them back to the people and places where I was, and so. It can come across as if I don't care about those people when in reality I could tell you everything about the experience except for the name and face of the person I was with. Ah, yeah. Um, and that can get really hard because, um, it's a big, uh, it's not a character flaw. It's just a missing hole in my brain where we will have, uh, remarkable experiences and RNT will come back later and say, Hey, do you remember when we were with, you know, Steve and Bill and it was two weeks after their wedding and they were so excited and you said, and then I said, and I'm like, I don't remember, I don't even remember being on that trip. And then she'll mention the, the moment that the perfect song came in the background and I felt this swell of gratitude and it's like, Oh, I feel the texture of that. I remember the temperature in the room. But the fact that Steve and Bill were there and that we were in Alabama, all of those pieces of information are gone. And that can get it can unfortunately convey something to people that I don't believe, which is that I didn't care about them. Hmm. Yeah. OK. That can Alrighty. be that can be really problematic. You've fortunately I've married somebody who's willing to give me like a brief when we walk into a room and go, that's Steve and Bill. We were at their wedding in Alabama when you heard that song and everything got very meaningful. And I'll go, thank you. See, that, that's a good sign right there. It sounds like you guys have strengths that sort of complement each other's weaknesses. Yeah. That's a really good trait. Don't lose that. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. If uh, you got the memory, <laughs> Rody, keep it. Keep it. It's so helpful. That's great. That's awesome. I that's feel helpful. like I'm in like a Disney movie though sometimes. Like, Mr. President, this is so-and-so. He's the representative for blah, blah, blah in Arkansas. All right, go ahead. 
And then, like, I don't want to, I don't want to actually participate in any of the conversation that he has afterwards. I just kind of want to stand back and wait, yeah. <laughs> wait. But that's kind of what it feels like. It's so oh, crummy because it conveys that I didn't care, and that's very, very not true. I super cared. I just don't remember names and faces, uh, which is a bummer. So the the deeper, I I think it's unfair for me to take such a sort of surface level one. I think one of the big deeper flaws that I suffer from is that I have a tendency to. I'll want to take on other people's condition as if it were my own. And, mm, uh, okay. and it's, it's sometimes it's just good, healthy empathy. And sometimes it's like, I cannot dissociate my own responsibility from their experience. And I find myself wanting to take it on and not only solve it, but like sort of emotionally carry that burden for them. And that's selfish. It's self-focused. And I think it some ways leaves me less likely to both meet their need and show up for them because I, I will turn what is ultimately their problem into something that feels like my own. And, um, that's not helpful to them in the long run. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, it's, it's not really a moment of discrepancy, but it sounds like you care too much. That's a harsh use of words. Yeah. But uh, yes, perhaps. To a certain degree, in the long run, in the regard where, let's say, you wanted to help them, that doesn't get accomplished. But perhaps you accomplished something for that person that nobody else did. Perhaps you heard something that they said. Perhaps you related to something. Um, I'll tell you, like, um, I have a friend who just can't put his words together. I'm sorry, I bumped something there. Just can't put his words together. He knows what he wants to say, but he just can't get the words out. Yeah. So sitting there and being able to hear through the ramblings, then I say, oh, well, you're talking about blah, blah, blah. They're like, yes. What I just did for that person was I helped them summarize what it was they were trying to say, which is something nobody else did. So by chance, by caring too much, yeah, the result that you wanted you know, in the process of helping them didn't get accomplished, but something else just may well have gotten accomplished because you took the time to not necessarily worry about what their name is and what the name of the restaurant was, but more importantly, what happened there. That might well be the case. Maybe that would be great. If it's, if it's doing good <laughs> anyway, that's great. I think where, where's it be, becomes an obvious flaw to me is when I confuse their story for my responsibility in such a way that it actually ultimately becomes about me, right? So if I'm feeling fear or um, I'm reacting to it as if I have a burden, I've now ceased to fully take in their experience because I've been living in my own a bit. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And yeah. that's a valid point. We, we always want to be able to do everything that we can. Hopefully when, when folks, you know, when we try to help folks, they don't heap more than 50% of their problems on us. We have our own, you know, but the fact that uh, there's, I, I want to say there's a level of altruism to you that that still shines through. I mean, yes, you're seeing it as a flaw and I'm recognizing why. And I'm not yeah. actually dis I'm not actually disagreeing with yeah. you on it. Uh, but at the same time, there may actually be hidden layers of really good stuff. Yeah. I'll that take it, it. It's just it's just completely different. I'll take it's just it. completely different. Yeah. I was going to say, that, can I, really can awesome, I act man. on your behalf to clarify sure. sort of with a, an ex, like an example? Sure. So, um, I've been with RY in instances where there's been someone who is 
sort of boundaryless with their sharing whenever we don't really know them very well. And ah, yes. I will see that person as they go on and say, well, here's the thing about my husband and this is why my kids got taken away. And did you know that my dog got hit by a car? And I can see our wives shoulders slowly creeping up towards his ears as he imagines all of the things that he will need to do and need to tell them and all the things he will need to listen to in order for it to make it right for them again. And in that time, I'm watching him like slowly shut down as they just are pouring it out. And while it's boundaryless to pour it out, what they really need is to be heard. And what he's feeling is here are all the things that I need to do and fix it. And so he'll get very aggravated and upset because he's feeling like he's got to do this. Like, oh, God, now I've got to get your dog back and I've got to talk to your husband and where where are your kids from your grandmother's house? And oh, my God, because he does feel like he's got to make it better for him. But then all that all the while that person's seeing this and they're like, oh, is my story like what is my story making you upset? But it's not. It's just that he feels like. Here's the thing I've got to do to make it better. And even if there's, even if there's one sort of bummed out person at a party, I tend to spend all my my mental energy there. It's true. You'll completely miss out on the fun. Miss the party instead of going. Man, it right. sucks. It sucks that they're bummed out. But also. But also, here I am at this job. party. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I like to call that a little bit of a trait of a daddy, trait of a character. Yeah, yeah. He's everybody's dad. You yeah. betcha. You yeah. betcha. He is. <laughs> Well, gosh, that's awesome. That, that, that's, that's, is that, is that accurate? That's, yeah. that's an awesome flaw to have. I mean, it, it certainly will suck the juice right out of you by the sounds of it. It's something that can be emotionally draining, it would seem. But um, it sounds like you'll be happy when everybody else is taken care of. Yes. What about you? Right on. What about me? Yes. Um, so I... My one of them is that I will not say when I am uncomfortable, whether I am angry or I am upset. And it is patently obvious because I'm very bad at hiding it. But I also don't want people to know. So I will. um So our why will um, instantly know when I'm upset. But um I will otherwise just sort of remove myself a lot from situations where I could have been very productive and said, oh, I'm really uncomfortable here or I, I don't like that, but I'll um, instead become incredibly unproductive and sort of remove myself from a situation. Usually socially, I'll remove myself. Um, I just won't talk to people um, or respond when they want to hang out. <laughs> Yeah. Which it was just so rude, but um, it's just that I don't know how to operate. What my one of my biggest flaws is I don't know how to operate when everyone is not comfortable and happy and excited and super glad that I'm there <laughs> and super glad with everything that I'm doing. So if at any point in the day I feel like my bosses or my husband or even my kid or my dog who does not have any sort of like personality, but I definitely put this on him sometimes doesn't like what I'm doing. I'm like, Oh God, I should just like, I just got to go. I just got to get out of here for a little while. Like I'm not, I just can't do this. I, I just, I become more and more awkward and uncomfortable. So, um, I think I just don't know how to be cool whenever 
I perceive that someone is unhappy with me or I perceive my own discomfort. I can't talk about my own discomfort. I have to just sort of stand there with like a really creepy, like marionette smile on my face and just be like, everything's great. I'm having such a good time. I'm so glad you invited me on this cruise and I'm not happy. Like, you know, I just have a very hard time um, sharing, but our why can tell. And, and usually the big problem is I'll be like, no, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah, I'm not like uh, amazing at it. It's just that she sucks at hiding. It's just that <laughs> I look super uncomfortable and, and I'm just like, I just look super uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, biggest flaw, one of my biggest flaws is that I will not talk about my own discomfort and I will not operate well when other people are uncomfortable. Don't you love that? Like, um, somebody would come up to you and talk to you. Probably like one of those, uh, one of those situations are why where, uh, you know, you're really internalizing something that you're hearing. You know, you get done with all of that. You're like, okay, well, hey, I got to keep moving on. And it was just like 20 minutes of your life. Which is fine because this person, you know, said what they were going to say. You turn the corner, just trying to get to the convention space. Four other people come up to you, and here you go again. <laughs> and now we start over. It's like I just want to go smoke a cigarette. Right now. <laughs> I know you don't like smoke, but you know I do. You know, that's yeah, yeah. That's, and, and it's not that it, it doesn't cheapen it. It's not that like I don't want to hear what you have to say. It's just I go to the bathroom the conventional way and I need to get to the bathroom because yeah. I can't stand here and do it, that sort of thing. Yeah, and so, it's funny because it's such a it's such a sort of catch twenty two because that's also the one of the reasons I go is to reconnect with people and to meet new people and to find out how can I be helpful in the world, even in small ways or small conversations. Sure thing. I think that sort of comes with the territory, but sometimes you're like, I I need to just pee or I just need to not take on any more right now. I can't right. I can't take on another Tough story, even though your story is important. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mine, I would throw in there. There's always two. Um, and they, they sort of go hand in hand. And I, I work at them every day. I recognize these flaws before they begin again. But truth still remains. This many years into my life. Number one, I take everything personally, even when I shouldn't. And number two, I hold a grudge. Yeah. And I work at that every single day. And I, I recognize when it happens and there are ways to get around it, but it's still a flaw and it's still very much a part of me. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, now we get into some that, that could be a lot of fun because the rest of these have sucked so far. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the really great thing about this crazy little community that we've got is how diverse it is. You know, you got a lot of folks who are pure and innocent and, and you got a lot of folks that are, that are, dark and this and that and you got a lot of you know folks all the way in between plus you have a broad range of ages i one of the people that i I look forward to seeing every year particularly at TeddyCon, is one of the co-creators of dpf the guy's 77 and it's also neat to see some of the you know the, the folks that are now legally you know allowed to come to these events you know they're on the opposite end of life and then everyone in between what you come across that's a few different generations and uh, we all have these four letters. So there is something that every generation shares in common, but then there are differences. And uh, we've come, lost, come across a lot of really great, um, a, a lot of really great gatherings and just uh, different groups online and whatnot where everybody mingles well. But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes the generations will uh, clash with one another, even if it isn't generational. Um, they do get along. They don't get along. And I know this is a super broad question, but the question would be, do you guys have an opinion as to why? 
This may not necessarily just be an ABDL community question, but there is friction at moments. And I think it, like, through understanding why, you know, maybe we're able to, uh, not head something off. What's going to happen is what's going to happen, but uh, perhaps understand everybody's point of view. So it, it's an open-ended question. I love this question. This is so good. I think there, there are a handful of areas in the ABDO community that we just don't like to talk about. And right. one of them is that there is a wide spectrum of ages, and those ages don't tend to blend very well. At, at, at events, or at least they, they don't seem, they seem to sort of set into little communities. And then you hear shit from everybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you do. And, um, and I think it's really wise, your question, because it doesn't say who's causing the shit. It says, why, why does this seem inherent to the system, right? Like, wh- why does it seem to happen not on an individual or small group basis, but sort of across the board? There's probably something systemic. I think that's a really smart question. One of the things that contributes, I think, I can tell you a couple of the sets of voices I've heard, and this is all my pure speculation and opinion as to why. One of the things is that I hear people who are younger saying, ew, ew, old people are gross. They used to do it a gross way. Um, they do things that are boundaryless and gross. And the, the way they communicate, the way they dress, it's all very gross. And why can't they be cool and quit being so creepy? And I know that because I've been in those conversations. So put that to one side. Right. Uh, and, and name things like DPF, right? And say, ew, ew, uh, this is a, <laughs> this is a bastion of, of, uh, pederasty or something. And, and, uh, why is everybody so creepy? Okay. Great. Put that to one side. On the other side, I've had conversations with folks who are 20 years my senior who say things like, uh, they don't get it. They have no idea what it was like to grow up with absolutely no connection or communication to others. The only reason they have communication today is because of the work we did to carve it for them very early on. And they wouldn't have, a, they wouldn't have had search terms if it weren't for us. They wouldn't have been able to find anybody else. And the level of respect we get is extraordinarily low. And by the way, all I see are a bunch of party guys and gals who seem to drink and, and do drugs and throw house parties. Uh, where is the spirit of community? Where is there a sense of formality? Where is there a sense of uh, ongoing dedication and friendship? It seems to me like a frat party punctuated by diapers. Right. Maybe you've heard one or both of those sets of things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To, to an extent, th- that's a valid point. Like, at NellyCon, which was once and done, NellyCon happened the same year that Capcom began. And the, the creator of NellyCon would say, he's like, this is awesome. This is awesome that we have this because, like, look at all these young people, yeah. you know, these young folks who have um, this great thing where we're gathering together, we're meeting one another. And, and my God, you know, like he was talking to another another guy who was up there in years. He's like, can you imagine that? Do you remember the decades where we felt alone? You know, like, like where we had our feelings when we were, when we were younger, like we were like, okay, yeah. no way. That sort of thing. Imagine feeling like that until you were damn near 50 years old. Right. Like there is, a, I want to say a level of jealousy that could exist. Even if they act, even if they don't act upon it, it could exist. And on the other end of it, you have folks who have always had all of this. And it doesn't mean that they take it all for granted, 
It just means that they don't know what it was like otherwise because it has it has always existed. Yeah. I think a portion of it may not have to do with age as it has to do with uh, what we're able to relate to. And all of that comes down to one thing, which is, you know, educating oneself, understanding that, yeah, Capcom exists because of the parties DPF once through and the, the, the skiing lodge trips up in Vermont and Mavi Swerven's parties and all of this exists because that stuff took place. And if it didn't, we would have nothing. Yeah. We wouldn't even be on this podcast right now. So th- there's, there's a lot of understanding that, but there's also no law that says that anybody has to show respect in the manner that we feel they should show it. Which then, so now you have all these different, you know, conflicting ways and you got, you know, some older folks thinking one way, but you also have older folks thinking younger ways and then you have vice versa. And what you have is, okay, now suddenly there isn't a starting point. Yeah, Rhoda, you were mentioning earlier, like, you know, just, just the idea of starting points. Like, there isn't a common starting point, except we all still have ABDL in common. I think experience is one thing. Uh, you know, experience like, okay, I have now seen you at three Capcons and you're here and oh my gosh, you said something that was funny and I laughed. And yeah, you are the same age as my uncle. But suddenly that's not such a big deal. I like to think it begins to help itself. And I always encourage folks to be like, hey, Bob over here is a grandfather and he did nothing with it. He said this to his wife. It's a true story. And as he said, nope, not interested. Then they had kids and, and they, they stayed clear of it. Now their kids are off and their grandparents and his wife is suddenly like, yeah, go to this. Go to it. Go to Capcom. I'm not coming with you, but here I'll buy you an outfit. You know, like they, she respected what it was that he did. That's actually a true story. A guy from Capcom named Bob. That's cool. Or, I'm sorry, not Bob, Bill. Nevertheless, you've got a lot of folks who are going to stay here. Here is this nice little box of where I'm going to stay. And you're too old and you're too dark and I hate baby talk. And that's the way it is. This is the stuff I do not want. And I feel bad for those people because there's so much they're missing out on. However, at the same time, I feel good for them because they know what it is that they like. And that's one foot forward, if nothing else. But you still have generational clashes. Well, so that's the part I think we need to learn to accept, um, which is, there are some sort of immutable truths that um, aren't going to change. And if we stop resisting them, we'll probably become more adept at, at uh, addressing them. So one is that when you say to a person who has not yet had an experience, hey, you know what? If you had had this experience, your viewpoint would be different. That what, what you're doing is futile. Um, if anybody who's ever had a parent who said to them, well, someday you'll know. You know. <laughs> You know how useless that is. Right. Uh, well-intentioned and probably true. And literally nobody has ever responded to that by projecting themselves into the future and <laughs> accurately summing up their future experience and then incorporating that into their present imagination. Nobody. So when we go to somebody who hasn't yet had an experience and said, someday you'll get it, all we're doing is talking to ourselves. There's nothing wrong with it, but if you expect a person to change as a result, you're out of luck. It's not going to happen. At the same time, when you are a person who has not yet had an experience and you're looking at somebody who has, choosing to write them off as wholly different than your future self is a fool's errand because it's so easy, and we all do it, 
it is so easy to look at a, at a, a separate person's path and go, yeah, that's not me. Uh, right. And it's, right. and it's not. And yet it's possible through any number of future factors that this person is walking out something you might learn from that you don't know today. Right. The part that will never match up is that, for instance, I mean, it gets really deep when we talk about fetishes because they're essentially they're objects imbued with meaning that are caught in a specific context in time. That person may you may never wear what they wear. You may never be interested. Like cloth diapers weren't a thing for you. Plastic pants didn't exist by the time you came along. The pink bows and frilly hair were no longer signs of femininity. The white dresses and tall socks were long gone by the time you got there. So when you see this outfit, none of these have meaning the way that this person has imbued them with meaning. You're not going to be able to project that into your imagination, nor should I expect you to. But that person, the sense of lack of community and having built bridges across what could not be crossed, that might be relevant for you. The sense of surviving in a marriage that is difficult or sexually incompatible might someday have meaning for you. Sure. And um, the idea that you should be able to go into that conversation and assume that you have nothing in common with that human, I think, is a fool's errand. Because not only are you missing out on what that person has to teach you, but you're presuming a whole lot about how your life is going to go. <laughs> right. So I, I guess at the risk of unsolicited advice, I would say to the people who are older, A, thank you. Uh, you blaze trails that I walk on every day that now look a lot like a paved highway. And I'm going mm. Um, B, um, I'm sorry you went through that and I, I will never know what that's like. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty glad for that. Um, I don't need to know what it's like. I'm, I'm glad you did, you know, you did what you did, but, um, I don't need your suffering to, to, I, I don't need to suffer the way you did in order for me to say thank you. Um, and I would say to the, to the older people, I would say, don't wait for the, for younger people to suffer and get it because they can't, neither could you. And when your parents came yeah. home and told you about the Korean War or World War II, you weren't going to get that either, because that's not how that works. Sorry. Um, to the younger people, I would say be really, really cautious about writing off people who look and sound and act differently than you do. Now, look, an asshole is an asshole. And when somebody's behaving like an asshole, go ahead and get away from that human. They're probably not worth your time right now. And their age doesn't matter. And their age doesn't matter. There's assholes everywhere. You betcha. Um, But when somebody wanders into your life who looks and sounds very, very different from you, be wary about presuming that their life path doesn't have anything to teach you about your own. And if nothing else, um, pursue their story as if it were as valid and reasonable as your own. Oh, yeah. Because it is. And... So that kind of connection um, is is why I think we've been able to connect with people who are 19 and connect with people who are 65. I think it's really great. You you really hit it early on there, and, and you continued to, to hit it along the way. Community. Community might well be the only thing that – it might well be the only other thing that we share in common. So when we do something that, that isn't necessarily community-minded, it doesn't mean you must be – the creator of the next, you know, gathering. At the same time, you think about it, conventions and munches and parties and things that throw it all into a melting pot. Like if you guys remember FetFest. Yeah. Oh my God. There's still 
I, I love the ABDL conventions, but there's still no campground like that. There was no event like that. We were just one little village, plus the grass area in front of it, too, and then down to the pool wherever we went. But there was tons of other things there, and it all sort of went together. Now, we all had our own places to go, which was great. We had our place is what mattered. And the more that continues, I think the better that it is. Also, you will bear in mind, things sort of change with time. So, so long as we have things like Capcons and, um, and Abdulias, I, I assume they still have them every now and again. Yeah. And some of these other conventions and munches and gatherings, things continue to move in that direction. And I hope everyone remains, you know, sort of community minded. So, well, that being said, there's actually three big things I wanted to ask. If we can have like a rousing conclusion to this. Sure. Well, lightning okay. round it. You ready? Yeah. Right. Oh, here we go. So the first question is, uh, what is a smart way to create a profile? And what's a not so smart way to create a profile? Just in a real general, quick sort of sense. Ooh, I'm going to pass this one off. Uh, You're ready. You're ready for this because my profile sucked when I made it. Ah. A smart way to make a profile is to err on the side of um, your own sense of humor. People can learn a lot from you about your sense of humor, and it will um, keep you from taking your um, the fetish side of yourself too seriously, which I think is the wrong way to make a profile, is to take the fetish side of yourself so seriously that you become almost unapproachable, um, which I see a lot. Yeah, it's just people who are like, don't do this. Don't approach me if this. Do approach me if this. Don't do this. Do do this. Don't do this. I am 85% this, 25%. Just be yourself. Focus on how weird we, it is all weird. Just get a good laugh in and just be casual about it, I think is the best way to do it. That's, that's a great answer right there. That, that really speaks a lot about how you've got, like, I am an ABDLer. Okay, well, if I, if I'm true to all those letters, then I don't really need to tell you how much I like the diapers. I think it's kind of implied. What else is it? I like Michael Jackson. Well, holy cow, so do I. Like, uh, I play the guitar. I, my mother forced me to play the piano for 10 years, take piano lessons. God bless that horrible woman, cause I sit down and I can bang out Neil Diamond. Yeah, buddy. Those who, those who do or don't know it, that Piano Man, uh, Guns N' Roses, Meatloaf, the whole nine yards. There's all of these things um, that you're not going to know unless I tell you. Yeah. You already know I like the diapers. So really make – I like that. That's a really good way of putting it. Like make the profile about you and don't be so serious. Life doesn't need to be, you know, uber serious in order for people to take you seriously, you know. Yes, man. Yes, man was a, a comedic movie, yet it, it fulfilled a year of your life, didn't it? Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a lot of really good things there. All right. Now, this is a this is actually just a sentence. You have to fill in the blanks for this next one. You ready? Mm-hmm. Ready. When I first entered the community, blank, and now that I've been in the community for a while, blank. Oh, this is good. This is like Mad Libs. Uh, yeah, it is. Toilet. Who? <laughs> When I first entered the community, I thought I was never going to be good enough, experienced enough, um, worldly enough, uh, whatever. And now that I've been in the community for a while, I have learned that every person who uh, is willing to expand 
their understanding of the world and willing to try real, real hard to love others uh, before they judge them can find everything they want in terms of acceptance and uh, has access to every part of the community. Right. When I first entered the community, I was worried that there wouldn't be anyone like me in the community. And I wouldn't be able to make friends with anybody who I felt connected to um, because I met so many people right off the bat who were so very different from me and had different thoughts and feelings in a way that I thought were fundamentally different from my own. Um, and now that I've been in the community a while, I've grown up a bit and so realized that the things I thought initially were fundamental differences were not and that I could still maintain those friendships. And also I've realized that there are people exactly like me in there in our community and that I can make friends with people who are nerdy and anxious and, you know, like Dr. Who and, you know, like there's people like me even in our small and weird community. Okay. When I first entered the community, I didn't believe it was realistic. I was ever going to meet someone, uh, the kind of person I wanted to meet. Now that I've been in the community for a while, I realized I was wrong about that. I've met a ton of folks like that. That's a good thing. So, well, that being said, um, if you guys are so willing, and I don't even know if, if these will continue, these one-on-one podcasts, but if you'd be willing to do another one down the road, we can, uh, we can uh, hit up a few other topics, but uh, yeah. there's certainly no pressure. For now, yeah. think about it. Absolutely. Sure. Well, let me just say absolutely, to. this has been wonderful, and thanks for giving us an opportunity to talk about things nobody's ever brought up before. It's yeah, so, nobody asks us this stuff. To talk about these these deeper things. So thank you for the opportunity. You're very welcome. So uh, before we get to contact information, uh, can you tell me a little bit about Love in Brief? Why, yes, we will plug our podcast. Love in Brief is a very short ABDL advice podcast, usually 10 to 15 minutes, focused on issues of love. Love for self, love for others, romantic love. Love for the community. Just buckets and buckets and buckets of love. So the whole point of the thing uh, is that we, early on especially, um, had tons of questions, still do, that we would ask others for advice on, on how best to engage the community and ourselves and our partners and our love. And uh, we wanted to offer that same experience to others because we started getting those types of questions. So Love and Brief is a way to uh, crowdsource wisdom on how to live a life full of love when you're an ABDL person. Yeah. How can people listen to it? Is it available on? Yeah, Apple, uh, iTunes, also on. Um, if you are on the Android platform, you can go through. Um, what the heck is the other one? SoundCloud. Uh, not on SoundCloud. Shoot, I'm blanking on the name. It's, is it uh, Stitch? Stitcher? It, it's on Stitcher. Yeah. Uh, well, it's on. It's on Google Play. Is the one I'm thinking of. So okay. uh, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher all have it. Um, or you can just follow our Tumblr, which is resonantyes.tumblr.com, and we post every single episode up there and, and hashtag it podcast if you want to listen that way. Uh, we also have a FetLife group, which is Love and Brief Podcast, which is um, another way because every time we post one, we put it up there too with a direct link to the audio file. So if you're like, hey, I'm not the kind of cat who wants to put a diaper podcast on my podcast list, you can actually directly listen to the MP3 files via the FetLife group. 
Love in Brief podcast. And we also on there, we look for uh, further conversation experts to join our podcast. So if you ever want to be on Love in Brief, that's a good way to shoot us a note and say, hey, I happen to know a lot about love uh, with regards to stock car racing. Um, <laughs> would you right. would that ever be helpful? So, um yeah, thanks for asking about that. And, and we've we're now up uh, we're up around twenty five episodes, and uh, we're looking wow. forward to our one year anniversary in about six months, and and plan to keep doing them every week for uh, time eternal. This is great. On FetLife, you are resonant, yes, and road not taken. There's no dashes or spaces or anything. You just type the letters straight out. Yep, that's and correct. I, I absolutely cannot thank you enough for having done this. I do appreciate it, and hopefully we can do. Uh, uh, one-on-one couple part two within the future. We would but for love everyone. That would be fun. Thank you. I, I do appreciate it. So for everyone listening, I always like to end these podcasts with a few sweet words, and they sound a little something like this. Please remember, there are always dreams to be dreamt, fairy tales to be told, happily ever afters to be pursued, memories to be made, the constant yearning to find completion, the greatest passion yet to be found, that deepest love yet to be discovered, that perfect story to be written, and the opportunity awaiting to feel it all, again and again. Blessings to you all. Until next time, take care.